This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Grant Collins will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is March 1st. Saw the Dow lose nearly 600 points. War of Ukraine's led to a surge of oil prices. Likewise, we actually saw treasuries fall sharply today. Ten-year drops towards 1.7% as the big focus is on the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. Oil prices on Tuesday hit the highest level since June 2014. Uh, Prices topped the $100 mark last Thursday when Russia invaded Ukraine. That prompted a fear on supply disruptions. Ultimately, uh, what's going to happen with Russia as an exporter and what's already a pretty tight market. Grant, anything we should be talking about the markets today? Well, today was the first day that we saw cryptocurrency jump. So Bitcoin, the one that everyone looks at, was up 6.6%. If you look at some of the safe haven assets, specifically gold, that was also up quite, not too much, but over the last couple of weeks that we've seen trading right over 1900 there. Uh, As you mentioned, 10-year treasury did drop quite a bit if we think about the 2% mark that we had been talking about a couple weeks ago, now back down to 1.7. Pre-market tradings look like futures are trading up. Um, Big one is is oil that we talked about. Uh, We'll we'll continue to talk about. If we think about not talking about Ukraine, because I think that might be the majority of our our podcast today. There's a couple things happening over there, not to... Not to shed light, but we really hope everyone in Ukraine is, is doing well and, and our prayers go out to the Ukrainian people as, as this is this is un- unraveling uh, right before our eyes. Uh, domestically, we did see Nordstrom's was the biggest mover today, spiked 30 percent after our trading tradings. Once we saw their earnings come out, really big reason for that is Nordstrom's rack had been underperforming, saw a big pickup. And then the other one, uh, Salesforce, Salesforce jumped up a little bit, but had better than expected earnings revenue. So um, saw a little jump there as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just get into it. The world's a much different place this week than it was last week in a number of ways. Good call on Russia not invading there. Right. <laughs> Bought and called the, your bluff. Right. Uh, so much for exercises. Um, obviously, we're about a week into this conflict. A lot of things have changed. German government recently announced they're going to be spending $100 billion more on uh, military. Uh, I mean, their military spending has been sitting around 1.2% of GDP. They're going to knock it up to that 2% uh, after years of not uh, meeting those targets. So there's going to be severe investments in Germany um, in terms of their military. We saw the ruble fall 30% against the dollar on Monday. It's now worth less than one cent. The US, the European Union, and the United Kingdom announced moves to block a lot of Russian banks from SWIFT's international payment systems. I mean, people were tepid to use it, but ultimately, um, you know, they they went they went for it. The systems used to move billions of dollars, got around about, uh, 11,000 banks and, and financial institutions around the world. And that can't be underestimated or undervalued on, on how big that actually is. I mean, that is how currency is moved 
from countries and even bank to bank. So cutting them off of that has huge repercussions for their financial institutions, especially their two largest banks. Yeah. And sanctions, you know, started off as kind of, I think, a little softball the response. But as the crisis has escalated, uh, we've seen a convoy that's about 40 miles long heading to Kiev. Uh, there's been vacuum bombs. Uh, there's been more indiscriminate shelling of, of different cities, uh, notably Kiev and Kharkiv. And um, yeah, and there's just been a multiple pronged attack across the whole country. And as that's played out, we've seen harsher use of economic sanctions and and just construction projects in general, right? Another big one being Nord Stream 2. Uh, you're looking at a over a 1200 kilometer natural gas pipeline from Russia to Germany that goes through the Baltic Sea. You know, it was started in 2011. Uh, recently, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, uh, their new chancellor, just supported a freeze on the product uh, project and, and froze the approval process for the opening the line. So that's big reason why you're seeing um, oil uh, do what it is. I mean, Morgan Stanley now sees that Brent would average $110 in the second quarter, and that's up from a prior forecast of $100. Um, you know, in terms of the firm's bull case, uh, most bullish prices could jump to around $125 a barrel. And if you think about the Russian economy, let's just dig in a little bit deeper here, Drew. So they are the 11th largest economy in the world and really the largest uh, commodity producer in the country. They are the dominant supplier of natural gas to Europe, as you just mentioned, and one of the world's largest oil producers. Um, but one thing that people might not know about them is that they are a key supplier of industrial metals, such as aluminum and palladium. Uh, palladium is, is really important if we think about Cadillac converters. Mm. So uh, that could have a big impact on the car market as those are used in the majority of, of, of cars. Um, but another big piece is the delivery of commodities. So if we think about Ukraine and the Black Sea and the pipelines that you just described, really any disruption to those with sanctions or turning them off. But more importantly, if we're talking about shelling and bombs, that could have severe physical infrastructure damage that could also impact those. Um, and then lastly, if we just think about the deep sanctions on Russia, that's made may push the Russian government to look towards the east, look towards China, maybe come closer to them. That is one of the worries about turning them off of the SWIFT is that they may bring them closer to um, China as that is their trading partners. Trade between the two countries really has already been insulated from the Western sanctions. 33% of the payments from China to Russia is now in dollars. That's down 97% from 2014. So that's pretty significant there. Um, and really, if we think about the two banks, them being cut off from Swiss messages for the cross-border banks transfers is really going to cripple those two banks. Yeah, you're seeing what could be a geopolitical formation of a new alliance, right? I mean, if if, if, if Russia cozies up to China, I mean, that at the end of the day is exactly what the you know EU and the UK and the US and, and all other parties don't want. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the natural final destination point, I guess, of this whole thing. I mean, you've seen volatility go up substantially as well. VIX was up over 10% today. Um, above 30. Yeah, above 30. As, as we speak, you know, it's been 33.32. But 
you mentioned energy. Not only is this going to affect oil, but some of the other assets like palladium. I mean, a lot of that's used for 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 cars that are functionally trying to be green centric. So if you look at green energy, that's going to take uh, a huge hit as well. Is you know, as different countries running around the world have tried to transition to more sustainable energy sources. Uh, I mean, the the market's really trying to figure itself out. I mean, this Friday. Mark the largest comeback of 2022. I mean, on Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial was up 2.4 percent. S&P gained roughly two. I mean, so it's just been a lot of whipsaw trading. And I guess that kind of gets us into what do stocks look like in times of geopolitical crisis, right? And that's kind of how we should frame this conversation, I think, to start. Yeah, it's, it's a great point because we are very worried about the near term. We have rising inflation. We have the fear of the Fed continuing to raise interest rates. Now they may take a step back and delay that. We, I think we anticipated the first one being in March or April. And then not to mention the supply chain bottlenecks. So we just went over the rare earth metals as well as the oil. That could have another bottleneck on the supply chains, which could impact inflation or out prolong inflation. But if we take a look at... Um, one year after the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941, the S&P 500 gained 15% over that time period. If we look at the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003, S&P was up 35% after one year. So really what we've seen when there are these, call it geopolitical crises, that after the stock market does take a dip, it, it does rally. This is specifically just around the S&P 500 index. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of the year after average or long term, it's you know there's usually a big, big dive followed by a big resurgence. You also see uh, treasury bonds tend to rally. So investors are taking havens, drive up the prices. Um, but but yeah, so I, I mean, and and one thing is there is the other stat about President Truman. So when he gave his speech right around the Soviet Union in 1948. If you take that period until 1991, the S&P or the Dow returned just over 10% annualized. Then the 30 years after that, Dow did 10.77% annualized. So you can see that with withstanding the pain of <laughs> the choppiness in the market, uh, the, the returns were actually, actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- there's going to be other things that, I mean, the conflicts... We don't know, obviously, what's going to happen with it. Um, President Zelensky, Zelensky's obviously turned into something of a of an international um, hero, and there's obviously parallels to what what people like what like Churchill did during World War II. Um, you know, you're you're bedded in with the within the population in a capital city, uh, and you know, it, it kind of looks as a rally cry. I, the thing is that. In terms of how these conflicts manifest itself, uh, the U.S. Congress is recently talking about we might have a big aid package coming. Uh, the State of the Union is tonight, so maybe we'll hear more about that. But it might be six to ten billion dollars. Who knows? Both military assistance, but also humanitarian assistance to Ukraine. A lot of countries are and NGOs and everything else is sending a lot of money and military supplies to the country. Uh, but, you know, that that also at one point, I mean, it, it 
keeps the powder dry. I mean, you look at what happened to Syria. I mean, that conflict's been going on since 2011, large part because it's been getting no influx of of cash and weapons from various actors around the world supplying various different sides of the conflicts. And sometimes that kind of thing allows these conflicts to to go on longer, uh, whether whether or not the Ukrainian army holds or if they don't. I mean, there will no doubt be a lot of um, guerrilla warfare and, you know, that, that could simmer for a long, long time. Doesn't seem like it's going to go away overnight. And we saw a couple of European countries as well saying they're going to raise funds, Germany being one of them uh, for that purpose mm-hmm. for you to support the Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's just going to be it's kind of talked about oil. Um, I mean, one thing too is, you know, as we mentioned, stocks might, uh, you know, they, they might resurge in, indeed in a year or two. But other thing is, there there are hard asset commodity plays uh, when stock markets struggle that we should probably get into. Uh, I mean, a lot of investors are obviously nervous. They've seen huge dips to four hundred one ks and their IRAs within a couple of days. So, well, that's a huge one, is because a lot of people who have retirement accounts and mutual funds and ETFs may not have directly invested in energy energy stocks or oil stocks, but since they make up a large part of the S and P five hundred, for example, uh, some investors have taken huge hits. You know, millions of dollars of retirement accounts evaporating overnight. Good news is, is that for long term investors, we just went over you know, long term investing. If you can withstand the pain, then that may be a way to continue to buy the dip in your 401k account, maybe not change the allocation, uh, continue to buy the tip. Whereas if you are approaching retirement, you're probably feeling the pain a lot more. As you mentioned, we did see a big move into gold uh, is really the safe haven asset that we think and the shorter dated treasuries. So we saw the three year also or three month, excuse me, also go up in, uh, in prices today. So uh, all in all, and then if we get into safe haven assets, I mean, you're really looking at the, the classic that we're thinking about. And those may be a good play even right now because the actual physical goods benefit from general inflationary pressures that we are already experiencing prior to this conflict. Um, and then also investors can just really hold out, really thinking about another alternative to cash. So you're looking at your metals, your fossil fuels, or even your agriculture goods. And then with even in the the metals and the commodities, um, there's things like dynamic role commodity ETFs. Uh, obviously, a, a lot of ETFs are actually in futures. Uh, they don't have an actual stockpile of metal or, or um, fossil fuels, but you know, are in futures contracts tied to these different commodities. When they reach expiration, positions can then be rolled forward by a, a fund manager who will close out these positions on, on the existing contracts. So there, there's different ways to kind of offset uh, the novice aspect of futures, right? When people are uh, on human behavior, kind of very volatile when they're, when they're entering and leaving in these different commodities markets. You have a professional doing it so you don't lose your shirt, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> um, one metal to look at is the palladium. So that is one metal that people are, are looking at. Since Russia is a top exporter, if that begins to fluctuate, I, I'd take a look at that because it is a, a key component. Um, and then also we are touched on it again, but you know, oil looked like 106 per barrel today. 
up 9% again. I mean, oil at the pump, they say that across the United States, the per gallon price on average will go up 20 to 30 cents uh, over the next two weeks. So people are going to be feeling it at the pump. And gold is obviously another um, for all you uh, gold hoarders out there. Uh, you know, broken clocks might be right, you know, uh, <laughs> twice a day. Twice a day. Uh, but I mean, gold's, I mean, the, the, the argument's always been that gold's got a 0.25% correlation with the S&P 500. So it's always been a, population, a popular inflation hedge and it's always been a, a popular physical um, asset as well. You know, another one that we should talk about, Drew, is, is REITs. So they did have a pretty terrible time during the pandemic. A lot of people divested from them because especially the commercial real estate REITs where a lot of people weren't renewing, lucid, renewing leases and then not coming into the office. So that sector took a big hit. Uh, we did see that in 2021, there was a rebound in the REIT. And one thing that our listeners might not know specifically about REITs is so REITs own different types of, pro- of, of properties and therefore there are sectors within REITs. Um, so a couple of the ones that to be on the lookout for for this year, um, manufactured homes are a big one. So those are your RV parks or your, your home parks where they actually own the land, but not the, and then they rent out where the RVs can park or where the homes can put. The big reason for this is there's really low maintenance. So there's low cost that goes into this. And you have a large, uh, large income that's going to be coming in with people paying rent uh, each month. So that's one to be on the lookout for. And then also one that we should, it really is a big market just to watch right now is uh, single family rentals. So a lot of millennials are looking for larger homes because they need an extra room for a home office as a lot more people are pushing for remote work. So having a separate office in your house. So we have seen the single family uh, market, especially those REITs accelerate in price. And then also we, we could see the single family home purchases also increase. Yeah, when we're looking at REITs last year from a total return standpoint, uh, they did substantially better than the S&P 500, as noted. They were up 46.2% versus 28.7% for the index as a whole. A uh, lot of different types of REITs out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just like there's, there's, I guess, like the old sign is there's always a bull market somewhere, right? So even in times of volatility like this, uh, there's money to be made and you just got to be on a lookout at some of these different asset classes and strategies, uh, especially when your your exposure to, to stocks and bonds uh, within IRAs and 401ks is probably you know, very, uh, very weighted right now. Yeah. And the single family is let's a lot of people are not build, continuing to build single families and there's a concentrated demand with not as much supply as there used to be. So the different sectors within REITs is something to look at. Healthcare properties are another one, especially because nursing homes, people weren't uh, going into nursing homes during the pandemic because of the lockdowns, not being able to see family. So um, they took a big hit. And now we're seeing uh, folks get back into the into the homes and the um, occupational as well is something to take a look at. What do you think we overlooked this week, right? <laughs> I don't know if we hit. If we, I think we hit the big story pretty hard, Drew. Um you know, I, I, I'm really curious to see how this lasts. Seems like uh, Russia has now become a lot more aggressive 
the heavy artillery, the bombing has increased over the last couple of days. Um, if that continues to happen, I don't know how long the Ukrainian army can defend the, the key cities. Uh, it, continuing to see oil, I can see oil continuing to creep up. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if some of those executive orders that Biden had put in, especially around the pipeline, uh, the Keystone pipeline to start pumping natural gas so we can maybe help our European allies by sending over some of our natural gas. Uh, and really, I, th I think a big discussion that we should start as a nation is, is, and come back to is, is how to really become energy independent. And so if that's more solar, if that's looking at nuclear or if that's you know, expanding our pipeline as a transitionary uh, transitionary to become more green. I think that that's going to be a big aspect. Yeah, I mean, COVID told us a lot about what manufacturing independence looks like. And then conflicts like this show us a lot about, you know, commodities and, and globalization can be great. But I mean, when when shit hits the fan, so to speak, it's nice to be producing stuff on your own. Um, we'll take a look at the car market. Now, if we can't get palladium for Cadillac converters, we can't get semiconductors from China and Taiwan. Um, you know, there goes our <laughs> there goes our automobile industry sector. Right. I mean, so that's that's the thing. I think you hit the nail on the head, Drew. Yeah, I'll be watching uh, quite closely the State of Union. Um, I mean, what, the big part of this, obviously, is popular opinion. AP uh, NORC poll was released last Wednesday. It found that 26% of Americans think the United States should have a major role in the conflict. Uh, you had a SSRS poll published that found that 83% of Americans favored increased economic sanctions against Russia. So what that's telling me is it's more or less Americans, I guess, are boxed up with my position right now is um, we should be heavy into sanctions. I have absolutely zero interest. Uh, and most people in the United States and for that matter across Europe have very in, little interest in seeing an escalation with Russia in terms of actually getting into a shooting war. Uh, boots them, on the ground. With the boots on the right. No. So I sentiment can change though, as we see, you know, if in, increased atrocities and, um, and you know, and Putin's reaction. Uh, so it's it's just going to be a measure of measure of gaining sentiment, and then also to see if the United States can come together in a bipartisan format to uh, to to help provide you know the support needed for Ukraine and to keep the Russians at bay. Um, there's going to be some very unhappy Russian citizens. There already is. There's been major protests in Russia. They've shut down a couple independence uh, news outlets in Russia that. That we're highlighting, uh, you know, both um, what the military has done to cities, but also the fact that the Ukrainians have put on a hell of resistance in, in a number of areas. So, yeah, I mean, the Russian sentiment's going to be a big thing, too. Uh, let's not forget what happened in World War One um, that led to a radical change in government. Uh, a couple smaller nations brought in the big boys. And yeah. next thing you know, we're in a world war, which is yeah. what we are. I mean, I think the. When the czar, that didn't end very well for him and his family uh, as the Russians got sick of the conflict. So, I mean, obviously a lot of moving variables, but but yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for the likes and subscribes. Um, hope you got something out of this this episode. Uh, I know it was very heavy on, on one area in particular, but I think we would have been remiss uh, not to make it as the focal point of our conversation this week. Um, always appreciate you and we're out.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WellFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WellFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WellFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the contents. WellFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.